you are listening to A Night Dream, A Night Dream podcast. Well, uh, one day I would like to finish the two books that I started. You are listening to A Night Dream, A Night Dream podcast. first night dream of the episode is called Antique Clocks for Sale. For most of your life you've repaired and sold antique clocks. Your life is slow, sales are slow, and even buying the right clocks to sell seems to take a long time. After years of waiting, you receive a call from a friend who knows an auctioneer, who knows someone whose grandparents have died, leaving behind a vast collection of cuckoo clocks. The friend wants to know if you'd like to buy them all. You definitely do, and the payment suggested by the friend seems remarkably reasonable. Eventually the clocks arrive in a large van, and it takes you almost an hour to carefully empty it. Your shop, which for a long time has felt like it doesn't have enough things in it, now feels too full. A part of you wonders how long you will be selling these particular clocks for, and how old you'll be when you say goodbye to the last one. The next day, a film director buys every single clock in your store and hires you as a cuckoo clock specialist for their film. When the director leaves, you regret selling them the clocks. The director said that in the film, they want the clocks to go off as the actor walks around the room. You said it wouldn't be hard to do, but you think it would be a bit of a nightmare to set up. When the shooting's over, you return to the empty shop and see that this is your chance to do something new. You call the director and offer to buy back the used clocks for half of what you sold them for. The next night dream is called Orpheus. You rescued the thing that you want most in your life and ran. You were being chased so you escaped into a train tunnel. You felt like you didn't have a choice at the time, but the longer you spend in the tunnel, the more you think about how quickly a train could come. You walk carefully away from your pursuers, who now feel so far away from you. But you still haven't got what you want. You would never choose to be in a tunnel, lost and cut off from the world. You don't feel safe. Your thoughts pull into the flat part above your eyes and nag at you. We must see sunlight, they say. We do not want to be here, they say, as if you have forgotten, and suddenly you hear nothing. You are convinced the train is coming. You don't want to see the train if it is there, and you keep walking and walking, but never acclimatizing. Again, you think you hear a distant whirring, and you feel incredibly sad that when the train comes, it will not only destroy you, but also the thing you want most in your life. So you are relieved when you notice a small hole in the wall of the tunnel. Afraid and strange, you try to fit into the gap, but suddenly there's no space for you. You push the thing that you wanted most into the hole, and it balances precariously, but out of the train's path. You run and run, scared forward by the noise your steps make. As you approach the tunnel's exit, you're so stressed that you mistake the daylight for the train's arrival. You are so relieved to have left the tunnel, and to be alive, that it is all you can do to stand beside the train tracks. Safety returns to you like honey on a spoon and you find yourself unable to re-enter the tunnel. And in that moment, the thing you want most in the world changes 
The next night dream is called Red. As you leave the hospital, you stop, holding the door open. Suddenly your body is telling you that if you allow the door to close, it will add to your suffering in the future. The two are now inexorably linked in the same way that your eyes produce one image. So you hold the door, first clearly open, but increasingly you return to yourself and allow the door to almost close. By design, the last inch of the door exudes the most pressure, and the willingness of the door to close helps you finally to let it close. As you start your car, a different thought takes hold, that maybe you are letting something out, and you stop holding your breath. The car's controls feel like melted plastic that gives way for a moment before snapping to attention. You try to concentrate on driving, but it feels like every thought you have is being pushed through the same synapse in your brain. You stop at a red light and think about pulling over. The next night dream is called Nothing. You've always felt frightened of the woods near where you live. They border a field which borders a road that you walk down at least once a week. The field is normally empty, and on a sunny day, you look over the wall to see if there are any animals in the field. When the field is empty, you see through it into the woods behind. You never look for too long because it makes you uncomfortable. You imagine two red eyes staring out at you. Sometimes you imagine the same eyes looking in at you while you make dinner. You've never seen anything but trees but it doesn't stop you fearing what you might see. Safe in your house with the blinds down, you begin to imagine the creature stood behind the blinds, so you move further into your home, listening for any noise inside or outside. You stand in your bedroom, forgetting why you were there. As you pull open a drawer to get a jumper out, you imagine what could be inside the wardrobe above it. And at the moment where you believe that something must happen, It doesn't, so you go downstairs to look out of the window and into the night. The next night dream is called The Hammer. You're staying at a friend's house while they're away, and you notice they have marked a spot on the wall, and that there's a painting underneath it, so you message them, offering to hang it up for them. They message back and say yes please if you get the time, that they've marked a space on the wall where they want it. You send them a thumbs up. You find the small key to their shed in an unused ashtray that sits at the back of their cutlery drawer. Their shed is full of stuff that you climb over to get to their toolkit. A smaller toolkit sits on top of a much larger one, and the clasp is broken on the smaller box, so you are relieved that you notice before you try to pick it up. You think that the dirt and things that accumulate at the bottom of toolkits shouldn't be disturbed, and you find the hammer nestled in the top layer of the small toolkit. You find a jar of nails and head back inside with the hammer. The painting is quite small, so you think a single nail should be enough to hold it. You place the nail against the spot that your friend marked on the wall and angle it slightly upwards. Thinking that one good whack will be enough, you bring the hammer down and it lands on the fleshy part where your thumb meets your hand. Instead of crying out, your eyes widen until you feel the air touching them. 
Since no one witnessed your mistake, you decide to try again, quickly, as if it didn't happen. You line the nail up again, and can't help but look at your sad red hand. You bring down the hammer, and just before it connects, you think, what if it happens again? And it does. This time the hammer pulls apart the skin on the back of your hand, peeling back the top layer and exposing something purple and red. The first ten times feel awful, but slowly you settle into a pattern of readjusting the nail and slamming the hammer down onto your hand, which has begun to feel like it isn't a part of your body. From somewhere inside, you mutter, it's all made up and nothing matters as you bring the hammer down again. There is something inside you that works tirelessly on the behalf of suffering. Sometimes it comes out instead of carbon when you sigh. You think that the nail just needs a few good wax before it will stay in place, but the nail and the hammer are too slippery, so you decide to stop for the day and try again tomorrow. The next night dream is called Drowning. You think about how many people have drowned throughout history, and your body rewards you with the same awful feeling as when you accidentally drag metal against metal. How unfair it has been for so many who will never know the big relief. You gulp with gratitude, because in that moment you can think of nothing but a singular fear. You imagine yourself brave, zen, empty, accepting and willing. But as grateful as you are for this image, when you try to complete the picture, your composure breaks and you gulp for air. You are suddenly small and deep within a body of water. Your breath, which escaped you, bubbles upwards as if carried by the sea away from you. You think that if only you had been able to keep in that last breath, that you might have survived, and that it's not a choice if you can't pick the outcomes. You watch the breath break the surface of the water. As your thoughts shake, you plead with the ocean to keep itself to itself, but it doesn't and never will. After a long time sinking, the thing that eventually reaches the bottom is not you. The next night dream is called Living. You work on the reception for an abattoir. You never have to go any further into the building than the reception. On your first day, your manager showed you around and you saw the place where the birds live close together and the bit where they kill the birds. Now your job is to greet visitors at the front desk. Each member of staff has a card that they scan to pass through the turnstile. The turnstile beeps and you've never heard the beep anywhere else. You're having a more stressful day than usual because for some reason most people's cards aren't working. So you have to look at each card and then the person to check that it is them. Why people would want to sneak into a factory to kill animals, you don't know. But if that was to happen, the blame would be laid solely on your shoulders. When people ask what you do for a living, you always try to give as little information as possible. You didn't ever imagine that you'd spend ten hours a day in such close proximity to constant death. You wonder why you took the job considering how many other receptions there are that don't back onto abattoirs. Sometimes you can't concentrate because of your imagination. You imagine the air, impossibly dense and pushing at the double doors, escaping only at the start and end of the day. 
You see someone standing in the car park inspecting their nails and you wonder how they hold the chickens when they kill them or if the chickens have already been killed by a machine. When you get home, you wonder if most people who sell boats live near the water. And although you aren't really at fault, you have made your life worse, and now you're the only person interested in whether it changes or not. When you eventually move house, it's a few years before you realise that the sun sets in the same direction in your new kitchen as your old one. The last night dream of the episode is called News. You receive some bad news. It's so big that you don't make a sound of protest. You start to whimper involuntarily, but before you do, the sound flutters and stops becoming nothing. As you take in the news, you change into a broken rock, exposing in you a spiralling ammonite. After the fact, you become aware or gain the knowledge that before the fossil would spin, and now it is static. But now you have bigger things to worry about than something that used to do something. Your stomach feels lined with teeth, irregularly, and in such a way that their sides clack together as your stomach growls. Filled with dread, you sit down, and every breath you take bypasses your lungs, instead travelling up into your brain, where it stays instead of dissipating into your bloodstream. It becomes hard to concentrate, so you try to sit how you would have just moments before. Instead, where your body is making contact with the bench and the ground, pulls at you as if trying to make you closer to the centre of the earth. As you can't stay where you are, you get up and try to remember what you were doing before you received the news. Trying to remember is as difficult as finding a place you visited as a child on a map. And even if you did manage, your needs have changed from something manageable to the view from the top of a hill.